Good, good, good. Well, it's great to be back with you. We were out of town last weekend on a little trip to Tahoe, and some friends had, had let us borrow their place. And have you ever had one of those times where you just, it's like everything's going wrong for you to have a vacation? And so, so uh, first of all, I find out I have to be in meetings in Texas, and my wife prays, and she's like, you know, I, I feel like we're supposed to go anyway, so I'll just drive by myself the uh, 10 hours with the kids. I'm like, you the man. And, uh, and then my truck is messed up, and so we're not going to be able to take my truck. And then, then the like, biggest winter storm ever comes through. And so, guys, we got 100 inches of snow in the five days we were there. I was, like, afraid I was going to lose my kid in a snow tuft or something. Um, anyway, my, the, the funny part, though, is my wife's driving in to pick me up from the airport in, in Reno, and my kids are cracking up because when they come and pick me up, they're like, Dad, Mom was, like, yelling prayers for the last hour as she's in a winter. So if you know my wife, you can see her, like, the, and then they're like, she was praying in tongues, like, at the top of her voice, and they start imitating her. It was... So, so funny. But anyway, I'm so glad that uh, I have a wife that hears the Lord and because we had an amazing five days. So uh, anyway, and all that to say, perfect intro for a message on hearing God. So I want to talk to you today about the joy of hearing God. We're in a series called The Secrets of Enjoying God. And one of the great joys we have as followers of Jesus is the joy of hearing his voice. Exodus 33, 7 starts this way. It says, Now Moses used to pitch a tent outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone, say anyone, Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out, all the people rose and stood at the entrance to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Now, I think most of you would believe that God is a God who speaks, but I find that for many believers, they think God is a God who speaks to Moses or Moses types. And this week, as I was doing my, my daily Bible reading, I've been encouraging you to do the Bible in a year app through Nikki Gumbel, the Alpha Course. And as I was studying that this week, this is the word that stuck out to me in this phrase, anyone. You know, it wasn't just Moses that God spoke to at the tent of meeting. It says anyone who wanted to inquire the Lord could go to that tent of meeting. And meet with God. Can I tell you, it's your birthright as a believer to hear the voice of God. As I was meditating on this thought of hearing God, a familiar story came to my mind of Helen Keller. Some of you studied her life, her amazing life in elementary school in the 1880s. She was born into a home in Alabama and two years later was stricken with an illness, a high fever. Now it's believed to be either meningitis or scarlet fever. But one day her mom, as she was trying to interact with her, realized that she was no longer seeing or hearing. She had become blinded and she had become deaf. And by the time she was seven, she was acting out in such frustration that many of her family members were saying, you should just institutionalize her, put her away. But her mom, with this loving heart, didn't want to do that. And one day she was reading Charles Dickens in this American uh, journal he had written of a young woman who had been deaf and blind, but had learned to communicate. And so they went to this, this institute 
in Philadelphia, and the doctor, the lead director of that institute, said, I think I should pair you with one of our recent graduates, Ann Sullivan. And thus would begin a 49-year relationship between teacher and pupil. And it didn't start well. Anne was out of control even when, when uh, uh, Helen was out of control even when Anne came to teach her. But she said, send us off to a home by ourselves. And many of you know the famous instance where Anne finally had Helen put her hand under a water spigot and the cool water poured. And then she immediately wrote out with her fingers the word water in her hand, and that was the day that Helen began to hear. And that day she would learn 30 different words. And over the next 25 years, she would learn not only to hear, but also to communicate with the outside world, so much so that she'd go on to get an education. She'd go on to college, which people thought would be impossible. She graduated with honors. And she went on to be a person who impacted the earth by being a public spokesperson, speaking out for the issues of the impaired and starting a couple of different organizations. And, you know, this is an amazing story, an inspiring story in so many different facets. And in no way do I want to minimize the power of, of her overcoming impairments and also the massive contribution she made. But I've also thought this week, while that is a very symbolic or prophetic picture of the state that we actually are all in spiritually, because all of us have a condition that keeps us from hearing. That condition is called sin. Ephesians 2 puts it this way. It says this, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. You see, the world cannot hear God, and those that are under the kingdom of the prince of the air, they can't hear God. The spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient, all of us who lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts, like the rest, we were by nature deserving Wrath. Jesus said it this way as he was teaching. He said, he told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those outside, everything said in parables, so that they might be ever seeing, but never perceiving, ever hearing, but never understanding. The beautiful thing is Jesus came, walked upon the earth to show us the love of God, died on the cross to take our sins, rose from the dead, defeating the power of sin, and offers to put his spirit, the Holy Spirit, inside of us to reconnect us with God and to allow us to go from death to life, from not hearing to hearing our Father again. This is the amazing thing that that Jesus says to us in John 14. He says, and I will ask the Father... And he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. Just as Ann Sullivan moved in with Helen Keller and became her teacher, became her advocate, and trained her how to hear, do you know that you have the Holy Spirit who's moved into your life? if you've invited Jesus into your heart. And so if you have a doubt that you can hear Jesus because you're not good enough, the answer is it's not about your goodness. It's about his. 
And the Holy Spirit of God teaches us, and he instructs us. And so it's about him, not you. And it says this, the world can't accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. The reason you can hear God is because God makes his home in your heart. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, is verse 26, whom the Father sent in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. It's your birthright to learn from the Holy Spirit. It's your birthright to hear God. You know, there's been a war on the church in regards to hearing God because the enemy does not want us to believe we can hear God. My Daughter came home the other day and she said, Dad, in Bible class, my, my wonderful Bible teacher was teaching us about how God moves and how God was speaking in the Bible. And one of the students wrote, raised their hand and said, but we know that doesn't happen anymore today. And the teacher lovingly said, wow, we have some strong opinions in this class. And I said, you know, honey, I used to be one of those people. Like I grew up in a church that didn't teach that you could hear God. But boy, was I in for a surprise. So I went on a mission trip to Mexico in, in 1997, and we started, before we went out on the streets to share the gospel, they got us in a room and said, we're going to wait on God and ask him what he wants to do tonight. And I thought, man, I'm going to be waiting a long time. So they said, this is what it's going to look like. We're going to pray a prayer asking God to speak to us and show us what he wants to do. So we closed our eyes and I just remember sitting there and man, for me, nothing happened. But my roommate who grew up in a much similar environment church-wise to me said, um, yeah, I had this kind of impression come to my mind of a, a woman in a red dress. And then our friend next to him, we were all in the same fraternity. He goes, yeah, I, I, I saw this picture of this woman's leg that was messed up and all of a sudden it started moving. I thought, well, that's interesting. Well, lo and behold, we go to the church that night that we're going to minister at and our worship team is, is worshiping and on the front row, wouldn't you guess, is a woman in a red dress. Everyone's standing up, dancing around, clapping, except this woman. She's just sitting there the whole time. And I'm like, hey, buddy, look, look at the front row. And he goes, I know, I know. I'm like, go talk to her. He's like, no way. I'm like, bro, if God spoke to you, we need to do something about it. So we got a group of us and went up after, after the service and uh, kind of in a prayer time and, and said, you know, do you need prayer for anything? <laughs> You're kind of sitting there. And she goes, my leg. And we're like, no way. Uh, so we, we, we pray for her leg, and all of a sudden she starts moving it like this. And we're thinking, oh, this is it. This is the Bible coming to life. And the next thing, she springs to her feet like a bunny. It was crazy. This little old woman, all of a sudden, she'd been sitting the whole night. She bounces to her feet, and then she starts dancing around. I mean, like, really dancing. And, and, and our eyes are just, you know, bug-eyed. And then she grabs us and puts us in a conga line. And she's dancing with us. And so I'm totally amazed, not only that she got healed, but that you could do a conga line in church. And but it was like Acts chapter 3 when Peter and John prayed for the lame man and he goes running and skipping and praising God. The Bible came to life. And can I just tell you, for many of us, our faith has not come to life because we don't listen to God. He's living and he's active and he wants to speak to us. And one of the reasons there's such a warfare uh, 
concerning God speaking is because the enemy wants to take out one of the primary ways that God moves. Think about it in Genesis chapter 1, how this whole thing started, how the whole earth started. It says this, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. Do you know that God creates by speaking? God moves by speaking. Of course there's going to be warfare for us to believe that God speaks. Of course the enemy wants to make the church think that God doesn't speak anymore because that's how God moves. And then if you look at the first way that the enemy comes in and tempts and attacks man, in Genesis chapter 3, in the garden, the fall of man, how did it start? It started by an accusation about God's voice. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say? Probably said it more like, did God really say? You must not eat from any tree in the garden. The enemy was accusing the voice of God. Chapter 1 of Genesis, we learn three primary ways that God is speaking to us, three, three primary different aspects of his communication. I want you to look at this in his first communication that man's hearing. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky and over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. The first thing that God speaks is identity and intimacy. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. I want to encourage you to write this down because the first thing God is speaking over your life is identity and intimacy. I just told you how the enemy attacked the voice of God. But right after that in Genesis 3, we see God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And he goes, Adam, where are you? He said, I want to be with you. You know, the main thing God is speaking is, I want you to receive my love. And I want you to know who you are. You're made in my image. You're made in my likeness. If the enemy can take out the voice of God, then we will minimize the value of humans. Because God is always speaking worth and identity and image over people. He goes on to say this in verse 28, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and every living creature. Then God said, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. The second way that God speaks to us, he speaks blessings and promises. He speaks blessings and promises. First, he wants to, us to know who we are. But second of all, he wants us to know how he wants to bless us. And he wants us to know what he wants to do in our lives. Blessings and promises. He says, then God blessed them. Man hadn't done anything. And God was blessing them. We think we have to work for God's blessing. But God is a God of blessing. It naturally flows out of him. And as we listen to him, he wants to bless us. And he wants to give us fruit and vegetables. Great organic garden. That's what he was doing from the beginning. <laughs> Lastly, purposes and plans. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the livestock of the earth. God has a plan and purpose for us, and it's important for us to hear it. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you're just like, man, things just are not going well. And then someone comes and speaks 
and changes it. For me, I was a young man, and all my friends were playing soccer, and so I decided to join this, this team, and you had to try out for it. It was one of those traveling teams, and I, so I joined the Spirit of 76. I made it onto the team by the skin of my teeth. I wasn't very good. And it just didn't go well for me. I grew really fast. I was this tall at 13. It looked like I was going to be like a foot taller than Jason, and then I just stopped. And um, anyway, but I'd get out on the soccer field, and if you grow really fast, you're not always the most coordinated person. So I'd just like get out there, but I was bigger than everyone, so I just ran over everyone. And that's not what you're supposed to do in soccer. So I was always getting penalties, and, you know, they'd kind of put me in when people get tired, and then I'd just run over people and... And I remember one day the coach looking at me and going, Robert, you're a goalie. He spoke identity over me. <laughs> I wasn't one of those little flight, you know, light-footed forwards. I was a, he said, you're a goalie. And he goes, actually, you're really good with your hands, you know. It's not normal in soccer. He's like, you actually, I could throw a ball a lot better than I could kick it. And, he's, and then he said, he gave me a purpose. He goes, so I need you to go in that goal. And he's like, you're very aggressive. Just get, You can be aggressive. You can take people out, but do it as a goalie. <laughs> do you know my, my soccer life turned around? And, and then our, our team even did really well as, as we had a goalie. You, but I needed to have spoken identity, blessings, and purpose. Now, that's a silly illustration. But let me just tell you that this is what God did. Isaiah 42, he's speaking about the Messiah. And, and watch, watch what God speaks. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one, in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he'll bring justice to the nations. Do you see that? Identity, my servant, my chosen one, whom I delight. Blessings and promises I uphold. I put my spirit on him purposes and plans. He'll bring justice to the nations. You know, Jesus didn't start his ministry until he had heard his identity and heard the voice of God speaking intimacy over him, right? Jesus goes to be baptized and he comes out of the water and a voice from heaven says what? This is my son whom I love. This is my son identity whom I love. Blessing. Listen to him. Purpose. He's going to teach you. This is the model we see in the life of Jesus. You need identity and you need intimacy in order for you to live the life that God's called you to, in order for you to just be okay in life. Have you ever noticed, we always think, if I just had more of this, if I just had more looks, if I just had more money, if I just had more success, I'd be okay. Can I just tell you that some of the most insecure people I've ever met are the prettiest people I've ever met? Have you ever noticed that? You meet someone and you're like, wow, they are stunning. And then you get around them and you're like, you are insecure. <laughs> and on the contrary, I, one of our mentors, one of Steph and my mentors, she's an elderly woman. She would not be known as glamorous. She would not be a beauty queen. But she is one of the most confident people, one of the most secure people, so peaceful in her own skin. And one time we were talking about it, and she said, well, from childhood, my mother would pull me aside before I'd go to school or before I'd go to a social gathering and say, honey, I want you to know that you are special. You are an amazing girl. And whenever you walk in a room, that room is blessed to have you because you have something to give to each person. She goes, I just believed it. 
So she said, I just walk into a room and be like, hey, everybody, here I am. You know, that's what I dream of for you. I want to lead a church of people who are so confident because they know I'm blessed by God. I, I have an identity. I, I, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wouldn't that be wonderful? That's, that's my desire for my kids is that they just walk into any room and not be going, oh, how do I look and what do people think and where are my friends, but just be like, hey, here I am. Aren't you blessed? You know, God loves to speak a new name over us. I don't know the name that you feel like the world has put on you. I know the name that the, the world put on this one guy in, in, in Genesis. His name was Jacob, which the name Jacob means cheat. Wow, thanks, Mom and Dad, <laughs> for giving me that name. And that's what he was. And in the midst of being a cheat, God meets him. And he has this encounter, and God renames him Israel, which that name has many meanings, but one of them is chosen by God or beloved of the Lord, or one who struggles with God and is blessed. Wow, what a great name. I was talking to a, a young woman in our church, and she, she was talking about a, a really challenging time she had had in life, and she had some struggles with some close relationships, and she was really frustrated, and not just that, frustrated with, with the Lord. And in a dream one night, God speaks to her and calls her a new name. It was a name in a different language, but it meant uh, that she spoke. It meant one who dwells by the river. And she understood, oh, God is actually saying, I'm one who draws deeply from the river of God. She said, I woke up and there was a breakthrough. She said, I just felt completely different because God had spoken a new name over me. Jacob to Israel. What, what Has God spoken over you? If, if he... If you haven't heard it, I encourage you, go to that, go to your tent of meeting, right, and inquire of the Lord. For, for me, it's my desk and my chair at home, and I also have a, a little trail behind our house that I go to, and I ask God, God, speak over me. I need to hear your voice. I need to know my identity. One of my favorite things to ask God is, God, what do you love about me? You know, you were created with a need for love. You were created with a need for affirmation. And you have an affirming father who wants to speak that over you. You might not have had a mother who is always telling you how amazing you are, but you have a father who is the king of encouragement. And you need to go away and inquire of him and let him speak identity and encouragement over you. The second thing he does is he speaks blessings and promises. You know, um, growing up, I was just afraid. I was afraid to get near to God, even though I, I was taught that you didn't really hear God. I still kind of deep down inside knew if he's God, he could speak. But I was afraid sometimes. I don't know if you've ever been this way. I was afraid to get too close to God because I was afraid of what he was going to tell me. And I thought he was just going to tell me to do something that I didn't want to do. Like, that's what I thought about God. Can I just tell you that God's heart is to bless you and to give you promises See, I always thought, I was like, I don't want to get too close to God. He's going to make me a missionary. <laughs> I had no idea that in the midst of his call that there are so many blessings that he actually, he's not trying to ruin your life. He's trying to bless your life. Listen to, to the life of, of Abraham, Genesis 12, 1. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I'll show you. I'm like, God, I knew it! If I listen to you, you're going to tell me to leave. 
But now listen to the rest of it. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Can I just tell you that God is overflowing with blessings and promises for you. He's not trying to ruin your life. You draw near to him, and he's just going to be like, here's some more, and here's some more, and here's some more. And you're like, God, I don't need any more. And he goes, no, I have more, and more, and more. You're like, God, I'm about to drown in your blessings. If you don't feel blessed today, I believe it's actually because you're not listening to the Lord. Because God is continually speaking blessings and promises to you. The Bible says that the boundary lines have fallen for you in pleasant places. And his presence is the fullness of joy. God has blessings for you. We need to get away and listen to them. That's my heart for my kids. Way more than them doing something is I just want them to know how much I love them, how much I care for them. That is what I try to shower on them every day. And that is your heart if you're a loving parent is you're thinking a lot more about, I just want my kids to know how much they're loved and adored. It's not about, I, you know, man, my greatest desire is they would take out the trash. <sighs> no, parents aren't like that. Your greatest desire, and when you see that kid, you're just like, oh my gosh, I want to eat you up. Wow. And then they wake up. And then, you, <laughs> and then they go back to bed, and you're like, oh my gosh, you're so cute. Um, just being real. No, there's... So many times you're just looking at your kids and your heart is overflowing, which is blessing. And I want you to know how much I love you. How much more does the heavenly father look at us in that way? Lastly, plans and purposes, plans and purposes. God was giving him a plan. He was giving him a specific plan. I want you to leave here, and I'm going to show you this. And why? Because all peoples are going to be blessed through you. Can I just tell you, if you have a small view of your life, if you feel like you're insignificant, if you feel like you don't matter, I believe it's because you haven't heard God. Because God is the God of exceedingly and abundantly more than you can ask or imagine. And he has a big plan for you. And he's tying you into the purposes of his global mandate of transforming the world. And so if you feel like I don't really matter, it's because you haven't really heard God. Because God wants to speak, and he has, for each person in this room, he's weaving you together. He has good works that he's already ordained for you to do in advance, and all we need to do is get alone with him, and he is going to unveil a plan. And guess what? Your plan is not my plan, and your plan is not the person next to you. And you're like, but I don't want to do that. And God's saying, well, because I didn't create you to do that. I created you for your own plan and your own purpose, and if you just get away with me, you're going to hear that, and it's going to be the most fulfilling and satisfying, most of the time, because it's what I created you for. we got to get along with God. If you feel like your life's insignificant, you got to get along with God. If you feel bored, you got to get along with God. If you're frustrated, you got to get along with God. And let him say, go to your tent of meeting. And go listen. So let me just finish by, by talking you through what do I do? I go and I get in a quiet place. So you get in a quiet place. 
make time every day. And, and, and I don't make like hours of time. I make just like moments of time to hear God. And then secondly, what do I do? I have something to write on. Everyone, if you have a phone, pull it out. Legal in this church. If you have a journal, if you already have a pen and paper, use that. If you don't have anything, reach in the seat in front of you. Everyone, please do this. Grab a pen, grab a card in front of you so everyone can have something. You got to have something, right? If God speaks identity over you, you need to receive it. When God speaks blessings and promises, you need to write it. You need to write it down. These are the things that we make it through the rest of our life because we, we go back and say, but God, but God said this, but God said he's going to do this. When God gives plans and purposes, you need to obey it. You need to obey it. So I get alone, and then let me tell you the, the kind of prayer I pray. I'm going to put this up, and I want us to, to, to read this together. I pray this binding prayer. Jesus gave us authority to bind what the enemy had for us. You can take a picture of this if you want. Last services, the first service, I just noticed everyone pulled out their camera to, to, or their phone to take a picture of this. Um, he gave us authority to bind and to loose. And so we're going we're gonna, to, let's read this together as a prayer, and then we're going to ask God to speak to us. Would you read this out loud with me right now? Lord, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I think some people aren't reading. Let's try this again. Lord... I come to you in the name of Jesus. I thank you that it's my right as a child of God to hear your voice. As your word says in John 10:3, your sheep hear your voice. Now I bind the voices of the world, my flesh and the evil one, and I ask that you would loose your voice. Please speak to me now. I wait on you. Would you just close your eyes right now? And we're just going to take about 60 seconds of silence to just ask God to speak to us. God, we've prayed this prayer. We silence every other voice, and we ask that you'd speak to us. And you know what? It's not going to be a booming, audible voice, because if you got a booming, audible voice, it would distract all the rest of us. And God wants to, to speak to us in this room. It's going to be that still, small voice, and it's going to come through an impression that pops into your mind. God speaks through the intuitive mind. He speaks right to our mind and right to our emotions. It might be a, a feeling. It might be a verse that comes to mind. It might be an impression. It might be a word. And here's how you know it's God. You say, how do I know it's God? Because it, it lines up with the Bible. It's true. It's noble. It's right. It's pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. If something comes with peace, then write it down. Just write it down as soon as he speaks. Let's wait on God right now.